is my problem with man, you ask? No. I ask you what was man's problem with me. Hi. Hi. Welcome to hell. I'm your host, Farrah Sande. You're listening to What's <laughs> on the LGBTV. I've been waiting to say that for quite a long time. This podcast has been a long time in the making, but I'm super excited to have my first episode coming out. Who am I joined with, if not my very, very close friend, Platonic Life Pal, the type of <laughs> the type of friend that historians would be like, oh yeah, they were totally best friends and they got buried next to each other and they lived with each other for 30 years, but the only difference is, is that we're actually friends. Yeah. Lauren. Ms. Aaron. Hi. I'm here. This is one of the few episodes I'm going to be able to do in person right now in COVID times because I was able to visit my little friend Lauren for Halloween. So happy Halloween. We just finished celebrating it. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. You woke up exhausted. Exhausted. We had a great time. Yeah. And now I'm finally able to, you know, sit with someone and do at least the first episode together. So I'm super excited. What was on the LGBTV today? So today we watched a movie called Circumstance. Mm -hmm. It's was recommended by me this is the second time that i've seen this movie the first time was i believe four years ago um so 2016 ish yes yeah around 2016 i remember feeling a lot of very very painful emotions at the end of this film (laughs) and i remember crying a lot yeah uh and my sister like coming into my room being like she thought I was laughing. And so she, like, knocked on my door and was like, dude, can you shut up? And I'm just crying on my bed. You know what's the best part? So my sister does that to me when I'm laughing. She looks like I'm crying. Are you crying? Yeah. yeah. No, I watched this movie illegally on my laptop. I watched this movie and it gave my computer a virus, but I it really liked it. it. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. It. Yeah. The one thing that I, like, when I first saw this movie, I immediately just, like, thought to myself, like, we rarely get to see muslim like woman well i really get to see muslim women at all but we really get to see women from cultures like ours yeah being able to or even just seeing their explorations of sexuality and just yeah. seeing them be big fat lesbos yeah in, exactly. in media even seeing just a glimpse of what i felt like you know yeah. in my family that is not something that i usually see in gay media it was it was like deeply emotional and just like it's akin to just kind of feeling seen in, in a certain way, you know? Seeing certain struggles that you can't really articulate super well portrayed in a in a beautiful way. By no means is is my experience and as as far as experience like the the golden standard for, for what people live through. We're not comprehensive. No. We are not the sole the, Middle The Eastern mere factor that uh a Syrian and Armenian gay girl and somebody with fair as well like we're we're doing this is about uh two iranian two iranian girls i'm not iranian but this was like the closest shit that i have basically yeah you know this was so this was about as close to my own culture that i've been able to see yeah you know i don't even know how i would act if <laughs> if somebody with like my actual background had had a movie written about them or something, but yeah. I don't know. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's so hard to find stories that really feel like they reflect your own. There's always more nuance to be had, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I think we should get into like a summary of the film. Yeah. There are two teenage girls. There's one girl named Atafe, mm-hmm. and another girl named Chirin. And so you were mentioning this to me. So like Atafe is from like a much wealthier family. Yes. So it follows the story of these these two girls. They're best friends. They're really more than friends, but their relationship is a little bit complicated. Mm-hmm. Atafe comes from a very rich influential Iranian family the parents are incredibly well educated they they're, mentioned that they're part of um the revolution at some point too yes uh so the so film power. touches on the politics of Tehran and how Iranian culture and in the the politics in Iran changed after the Iranian revolution uh, she also has an older brother, Meran, which we will discuss. <laughs> he is an integral <laughs> part of the film. Jesus. Uh, and I would describe Atefe on from from like the surface as a a fun loving, rich, like privileged girl mm-hmm. who is definitely not one to to just exist within you know the rules that like life and her family has set for her she's quite rebellious she she embraces like western like the clubbing the drugs the alcohol yes the underground um, party scene that was happening in yeah. iran at this time in tehran so it's in complete contrast to shireen whose yeah. families were professors before the revolution yeah her parents were professors and it is implied that they were murdered by the government i know yeah. that they died but, but they're anti they're probably um, much more western they, just yes based. and so she is currently under the custody of her uncle, who's not very well off uh, money-wise. So she, the very first scene of the movie, you see... She's struggling to pay for her tuition. Her tuition, And then yeah. Atafe kind of steps in to try and to she, help her out. And she throws some money to the school official. So there's there's this dynamic of um, a class difference between yeah, these two girls. Difference. Even though they're best friends and they care for each other a lot. We're seeing how they're both trying to embrace their sexuality. They're trying to, you know, find find out where they stand among this, like, Iranian society. Yeah. Where outwardly everyone is... People are pretty vicious to Shireen. And they, yeah. they act terribly towards her. She's not rich. She's not wealthy. They, they treat her as, like, the kind of westernized scum that was probably part of, like, the Shah regime or whatever. So you have, like, these... They're just trying to fill this space, I think, that they're trying to grow into mm-hmm. as women. And then we see Mehran. Yeah. Mehran is Atafe's brother. He used to be a musician. He's just come back from rehab for drugs. Yeah. And he's getting tested frequently. He's trying to show that he's moved on, and he begins to embrace Islam in a pretty uh, radical way. And he starts really making it part of his life Mm -hmm. but in making it part of his life he begins to impart a lot of his judgments onto the people around him Mm -hmm. and he begins to kind of start being a dick he is probably the main antagonist of the movie yeah other than the government uh but they also have a lot of parallels and i think he resembles the government in part because he starts creating these ties to people in the government and the morality police that exist yeah and so he the morality police being the force that Police's average everyday conduct within yes. Iran. Like, so that means no clubbing. That means no alcohol. Women would would be doing things outside of what was considered proper for them. Mm-hmm. Homosexuality definitely did not fall within the morality police. There actually well, was a ex- <laughs> by the same exact name when you're looking at uh, when you're looking at U.S. history. When you look at uh, New York and gay culture in in the '80s in Harlem and yeah. in there was a morality police in, in New York as well. Yeah, they were the absolutely. ones that uh, 
that started arresting people in Stonewall. So it's not a unique concept. Uh, it's something that has happened here. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Times. A, that's, but I think it's a good thing to mention is that we yeah. have had these things occur here. Just because you might not have been part of them does not mean that they didn't exist. And yeah. in Iran, it was just a much more um, pre- prevalent. Like I think it was much more towards kind of everyone. I think everyone more knew about it. Whereas like when it comes to like in America, I feel like minorities get particularly targeted. So for the majority, they mm-hmm. don't see that. I yeah. think in Iran, I think most people knew what the morality police were up to. It was something that everybody knew about. And so you see Mehran kind of start integrating himself into um, into the morality police and into that kind of sphere. And you see him start to kind of set up cameras around the house and look around. And, oh, whoops, he starts seeing that his sister and her best friend are a little bit too intimate. The, he kind of likes her. Yes, he does. So Mehran has an attraction to his younger sister's best friend Shireen which is one a little bit gross because <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's at least he looks old he's he looks older than than Atifa. I don't know how old he's supposed to be in the film the the girls are 16 so just to put it in perspective the, the like pivotal conflict of this film is its title it's people reckoning with their own circumstances the circumstances that have been set by their family by their government by just all of the aspects of their life feeling trapped in what to do when you're feeling trapped just trying to finish up a little bit of the understanding of the film so at the um shireen's circumstances mean that when she's caught by the morality police she's at very large danger of her uncle losing the deed to his house and she can't really get herself out of the situation so maran goes hey um, if you marry me, I can get you out of this. And she goes, well, I can't. What else am I supposed to do? And she does. Yeah. And it's very, very awful. We see her really, really struggle with this idea of marrying Mehran, even though she's already married to him. And at the end, we get a kind of will-they-won't-they they sort of situation where we see her get tickets to Dubai, and we don't know if she actually ends up going through with it. It cuts off as she's in a taxi, so we don't know. Well, Atafe is the one who leaves. Sorry. It's okay. Atafe is the one who leaves. <laughs> but we see but we see that we see them contemplate this idea of going to Dubai, leaving their circumstances or not. But yes. we do not get a kind of definitive answer as to whether yeah. one of them is able to escape. It is implied that Atafe, the the wealthier girl, is able uh, to go. Is able to leave while Shireen is stuck in her circumstances. Yeah. It's interesting how that happens as well because the person who was so focused on going to Dubai in the beginning was Shireen. She kept telling Atafe that, you know, one day we could just we could escape to Dubai. You can get away. You could sing. I could be your manager, which mm-hmm. is a very, <laughs> a very like, we're best friends and we love each other. It's a very teenager, of, very teenager thing yeah, to say. It didn't feel. It felt honest in how like the girls were portrayed because mm-hmm. it was a very like I, to me at least a realistic teenager relationship yeah you know, they had this kind of infatuation with each other and there are plenty of moments in the in the film where they're quite silly yeah. and are That's just the beginning yeah and they have this this sort of playful warmth that permeates like all of their rea- their interactions and yeah it was very it was very nice to see i liked it to be able to like see something about brown woman man to be able to see brown (laughs) woman existing especially brown like lesbian woman existing existing right in front of my eyes 
there's something special about it. Seeing the role that Islam had in this is very important yeah, to me, I too. Was, I was very, like, interested to see what your perspective was because I... I had some jumbled thoughts about it beforehand, yeah. but I also watched this movie a while ago, so yeah. I, I was going to look at it with a, probably a new and different critical eye. Mm-hmm. It was, I remember it being a part of the film in the, fir- the first time I went around, but seeing just how connected the, the morality police and the government was with the, like, the one who inducted Miran into, like, yeah. the... The morality police yeah basically you know the worst part about that that really really hurt me is that um at the beginning i wrote in my notes the guy that inducts him muhammad mehri i think he says the mosque is a place for everyone because behran is trying to like talk shit about this addict who's shown up at one point like this addict comes up and behran's talking shit about him and this guy goes like the mosque is a place for everyone mm-hmm. and to me that was like I was so happy to hear that, and then to see that man slowly morph into the in one of the villains yeah. of the movie, I was like, oh, whoops. Um, but to like talk about like um, the Islam part a little bit, I'm like I'm slowly getting back into my religion, mm-hmm. and so I think it was actually interesting watching this movie because I'm kind of slowly growing a new appreciation of my religion in part because of college and mm-hmm. having amazing Muslim professors who like would teach me different sides of my religion that I didn't know about because, you know, I've read the Quran over. It was I. <laughs> on the back of the Quran it's just the it one review right. one review from Prophet Ali it was alright and so to see that Vehran kind of he he travels back into into Islam in a similar way like he gravitates back towards it but it's for me it's like in a kind of it's an empowering move for me mm-hmm. to see all these like amazing cool women Aisha Rabia you know but for him it's not it, it's also an empowering move he is because in more power at the end of the film than you would ever have expected him yeah. to be because he takes the power that Islam has in in like Iran in particular when it comes to like the morality police and whatnot he assumes that power and i think that becomes his new addiction in a way he clearly has a lot of a lot of deep-seated shame yeah i think that i think that i wish they had delved into the shame more yeah because it peaked out a few times i feel like the reason why miran was you know his journey existed and why he like became really the antagonist was that his shame drove him into doing things you know he there is that shame made him overcorrect into this place of superior morality yeah where at one point he mentions to um to Atafe, he's like, you know, I pray so I know that I am cleansed of sin. By the way, such a bullshit take. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't like that at all. Yeah, I he think said, I pray so that I know that I'm clean. Yeah. But you, I'm not so sure. Which so. is hardcore. I like, I think he really does like overcorrect in the opposite direction because he has so much shame about who he was that he. He didn't think himself enough. There was a scene mm-hmm. when, when he found out that. After he got married to Shireen, and Shireen for a short period of time was still sneaking around with his sister. Uh, what a vibe. <laughs> what a vibe. I mean, this, this, the circumstances, haha, how many times can I say circumstances oh my in this God. podcast? Jesus Christ, the circumsta- I'll put a counter. The circumstances of the cheating in this scenario are, like, cheating is not something that I really ever condone, but I feel like if you watch this film, uh... 
You're I under think a you, lot of you will under you will understand. I guess why Shireen like reaches out. She's she's genuinely I think one of the most tragic characters I've I've seen. Like just in a way that she's just so alone. You know, she doesn't yeah. have anybody. She doesn't have anybody watching her back. The only person who is watching her back is Atafe. Like. Atafe was like barely even in the picture. Her, her family, uncle, her parents exists sh- like solely to marry her off. Like yeah. the uncle really clearly thinks of her as a burden, mm-hmm. and she is only existing in his eyes to to be married and stuff. So yeah. Atafe was the only one who had her back, and when she's stripped of, she's no longer you know under the domain of her uncle, but now becomes under the domain of her husband. Meron, she's really stripped of, of anything, and he wouldn't allow her to talk to, to Atefe because he suspected that things were going on. Yeah. And he, he thought that Atefe was a bad influence on her. And so... Because, again, the party culture, he's... He considers himself above it now, so he's like, you're not going to associate with that anymore. Exactly. Or mine. And he starts controlling her, which really... <laughs> yeah, it was, it was difficult to watch. <laughs> that was a um, difficult moment to watch. But, yeah, I think it is... One thing that I'm curious about is, like, you were saying that you had very jumbled thoughts about, like, the view of Islam. What, when you first watched it, what, what were you thinking about? I was initially just happy to see that that it was a family that was, like, Muslim, because you don't see that a lot. Yeah. And I think when I first watched it, I thought that the, the link between... Miran becoming more religious and more devout and his journey into being, you know, the antagonist of the movie mm-hmm. may have been clumsily set up, but... I can agree, too. Yeah. yeah. We, we get this image of Miran at the beginning, then he kind of becomes a little bit Disney villain and it's like, exactly, hello, yeah. Hades, is that you? Like, where, like, <laughs> it, it does, it does become like a complete 180 and I think it is really funny. Yeah, I, I think now I feel like I... I can appreciate it. There are some things that just go unsaid in this film. I yeah. I would say that the the style of filmmaking was kind of there would be kind of abrupt endings to certain scenes and pickups to others. Yeah. And sometimes it was really like good in my eyes because it just felt like it really kind of felt like you were peering in on someone's life watching this movie. Snippets. Little snippets, little memories. Um there were scenes where there was no dialogue at all and you could just see the family existing and i think the family is probably the realest thing about this movie because the dynamics are so they felt so like realistic and raw and you know they felt realistic in in how they were positive and and they felt realistic in how they were negative like every like quip and fight between the siblings felt like something that siblings would do and it was just it was just very it felt very real and the relationship between the mother and the father you mentioned you mentioned that a lot when you were writing your notes which was interesting because i didn't pick up on it and didn't really think about it until you mentioned it the relationship between the mother and the father yeah it was just it was very heartwarming to see how in love they were and that you know you don't really see a lot of positive like depictions of Muslim relationships, Muslim yeah. men and Muslim women. And Middle Eastern people, just like, Middle Eastern fathers specifically. Oh my God. Muslim slash Middle Eastern fathers tend yeah. to be very, which is a conversation that I've had to talk about with my poor father, but like, yeah, it's, they're often viewed as very militant, very aggressive, 
um, unloving, like, stoic. I could use like every. There's a lot of adjectives. Controlling. That I could use. Oh, controlling. It is not to say that these things maybe are not facets of like certain dads yeah. and certain cultures, but it's also like people can love too. You know, it, it made me love. very like emotional to see that the father was like really for the most part of the film on his daughter's side and wanted her to succeed and like loved her and be happy exactly like that the fact that he even when she got in trouble for being rebellious and everything still tried to to level with her and relate to her and and that you know he wasn't a he wasn't so prideful that he that he shut her out or tried to you know control her in a certain in in a certain way without at least trying to understand her and her perspective her perspective as well exactly and that was very it was very warm to see that and it felt very wholesome to to watch that relationship exist when i don't think i know a lot of people who have very good relationships with their father like a lot of people from from my family at least who have those types of relationships with their father to to that extent so it was it was nice yeah it was really nice to see and like when it came to like the parents it was really funny because i felt like they're very similar to my parents honestly when i was watching they were it. very in love and your parents are very in love because <laughs> well, you know, it was really funny because like the mom was a surgeon the and i was like was my, my mom is a surgeon <laughs> so her like there's this one scene where she's walking back she's laying on the couch and she's like oh my god this awful surgery i'm like this is literally my mom walking in <laughs> through a long day she's like pharaoh chai please but um and like also the dad singing the mu- like yeah the, the music the, in this movie but it's really also just like touching. singing yeah you know not even just music but like family singing together the casual intimacy of a family just sitting and eating and singing you know yeah just breaking out just being being loud yeah <laughs> which is <laughs> and there's also that one scene where the mom is singing a lullaby to Atafe after they break her out of yeah. um, jail and it's just like it's so beautiful she's singing her a lullaby. In a form of comfort, and it was so. It really just reminded me of me being a kid and my mom singing me lullabies, and then my dad trying to sing me the lullaby, and then me being like, "No, mom does it better. Can you bring mom?" <laughs> like, but it it really just like, they they really felt whole, and then it it also was sad in a way because you see this family have such a well established relationship. It's not all good. It's not all bad, and then you see slowly how Mehran separates from the rest of them, and he finds like family not even family but he just he just finds like this sort of higher cause that he prescribes to um which is not even i don't even think islam itself but just more like the morality police and being able to police the people around him he regained his sense of self-worth uh through being a judgment through being the person who gets to pass judgment and being the person who he basically became the exact opposite of what his pre-rehab self was and in his mind, I guess that was moving up, and that was you know finally moving having on. having respect again, and not having to feel shameful of being an addict. Mm-hmm. But and but I really really liked though how and I think you mentioned this to me that the parents themselves they don't really know what to do when this happens to Maron. Like they they you can see this that, is that they're thing. kind of at a loss. I have, and I like that they yeah. don't have the answers for how to like like they're not immediately like yelling at him, but they're mm-hmm. but they're like. You see them conversing with each other, like, the father's, like, at one point he says, oh, my wife can't sing, now that, uh, Shireen cannot sing. Yeah. Um, because he's like, no, I control my wife, you can control your daughter. Mm-hmm. So, 
and you can see that the, the father's like angry and he's like excuse me like we're just gonna be singing it's family and friends it's not like we're like acting like whores in the middle of a club or whatever you know he's mad and the mom's just like much and i love how they were they had this partnership and they were just trying to figure out how to navigate it i liked that they weren't they didn't pretend like they knew exactly what to do yeah and i and i kind of liked that it really it made them see seem a lot more real to see them actively grapple mm-hmm. with like who their son was becoming and them just being like what the hell do we do here i think specifically with the father i had like a um i had a moment when there's this there's a scene towards the back end of the film where um after atafe has gotten in trouble with the morality police for the second time her and her father go hiking up this mountain and it was like to me kind of the way that this scene went was kind of illustrative of of their relationship and how like the younger generation and the older generation's relationship was almost so Mm -hmm. they like they began the hike just like teasing each other and being very like you know family family it was it was just them having their their normal father-daughter relationship like she was teasing him for being out of breath as they were going up and walking and he started describing this memory that he had when he in his younger days when he was in college and protesting during the iranian revolution would go uh like skinny dipping in the lake around the mountain or something like Mm -hmm. that and he talked about see atefe i too was once rebellious um and he was trying to relate to her and to understand you know why she kept like acting out and why she was so angry and she was fed up with it you know she didn't want to talk about it within that context and and her dad ended up stopping and telling and and Atafe told him this one line that I think stuck with me it was like you did all of that during the revolution so that I could live in this world and you know I'm living in I'm living in your post-revolution world where Mm -hmm. the morality police is like incredibly oppressive and and her circumstances are are restrictive because it was the post-revolution so yeah you know they were they were so she was like you you've created this world that I live in yeah and that I'm reacting to yeah and he stopped and and they had this little argument and it ended with him uh her atafe being like i'm going to climb up the rest of this mountain you i you're tired you can just stay here or walk back home on your own i feel like him going back down the mountain and him stopping and atafe continuing was her continuing to fight against her circumstances while he fell into a more passive role where yeah. he started like you know accepting that his son who is now kind of taking on a dominant role in the family do you remember that one scene when he was leading oh prayer boy. and then yeah. he started he started guilting his family members into into praying with them into praying with him which you know that's not a bad thing to want to pray but i think it was for it was for it was it for felt, it image felt coercive. yeah it felt coercive and it felt like it was for the purposes of maintaining an image yeah and maintaining like yes we're good members of society rather than uh him starting to join prayer with his son to just reconnect with his faith it was more of that maintaining the image thing and yeah because uh, it can be a very beautiful thing i mean me and my dad have connected i think a lot more through prayer but it's not necessarily like 
if I don't want to pray, then I'm not going to pray with him. Yeah. You know, like, it's not so, it's not so coercive, but it very clearly felt like he was exerting the fact that he's in their lives constantly, that he's, um, has interactions with these morality police, that he is directly willing to throw them under the bus at any given moment. So mm-hmm. it very much felt like this was just a safe base type of thing. Yeah. Honestly, to me, that's my favorite part of this movie, is the family dynamic. Not yeah. saying that their relationship is bad, but I think we can actually talk about their relationship for a bit in terms of, like, in terms of intimacy, because we were talking about that a lot. There was a review that I looked at from Roger Ebert, Roger Ebert, I don't know. I don't know his name. It's some weird guy. Um, <laughs> it's some weird guy I say about this guy who's like a very well-known film review person, film critic. But like, he mentions, I think in the review for Circumstance that is on the website, he, they mentioned that like, they think there's too much lush eroticism in this movie. And I don't know. I don't know if I would say the same. <laughs> I don't know if I would say the same because I think we were we were talking about this. We were comparing this to different like Western movies that we might know, um, and I think the one that we brought up, I think in particular, is like Blue is the Warmest Color. If it's like <laughs> long ass sex scenes, I have not watched Blue is the Warmest Color. Blue is the Warmest Color. Um, I don't want to subject myself to that. I don't want anybody to watch Blue is the Warmest Color. I don't. I don't. If I ever review this. Uh, like blue is the warmest color if i ever talk who about is it gonna someone, be the guest that has to watch that for you i don't i don't want to do that to people as a problem <laughs> in in this movie it felt far more intimate i think than a lot of like i think western films that i've watched it felt like they were very i think i remember like um i think i remember the the one thing that i wrote down is like the first time they have that little moment of intimacy where we see them like maybe have sex. First of all, it's not your average stupid lesbian sex scene that we always joke about. Where it's <laughs> literally just like a hand touches the shoulder and then the girl orgasms. It's not that. It's like a shot. It's like a close up shot of a of a hand and then a like hand. fog. You're trying to figure out what body part. Uh, someone like <laughs> a hand is running down skin and then you just see like ah and then like someone orgasms. They're like it. weirdly standing really far apart from each other. Oh yeah, it's like they're like a full. <laughs> They're, they're like COVID distancing. They are they're social distancing social while distancing. fucking. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. And so I'm glad that it like wasn't that. It's a little it's a little bit like that, but it's not like completely like they're yeah. not touching each other. Like yeah. weird, like poking, like clearly <laughs> don't know how a female's body works type of thing. But like one thing that I loved about it is that they have this kind of moment of like whatever, caressing, whatever. And then it cuts to them going into the sea after um, the father talks about, oh, I wish one day that we could all go into the sea because women are not allowed to be swimming out in public. Mm-hmm. Um, is my interpretation of that. And so they go out into the sea in the dawn, and it really felt beautiful because, like, the way that I wrote it was, like, it was translating this moment of exhilaration and freedom and of finally putting into action feelings that they have had yeah. and then transcending that out to society. Like, it's not just stuck in their room anymore. They yeah. actually bring it out into the open, even if it's just for one fleeting moment. Yeah. They're outside in the open in Iran and they're like, they're like half naked or like, you know, because they're in the fucking water. Yeah. But like they're, they're themselves just for that one brief moment. Yeah. They're open. It was, it was like, it was very beautiful to see one because it was shot very beautifully. Mm-hmm. I liked the transition of like, um, the scene started when, uh, Shireen was having, like, a night terror, and Atafe was comforting her. Yeah. And Shireen was like, I love you, and Atafe was like, I know. <laughs> Very Han Solo moment. Very she was like, oh, hello. And she told her how scared she was 
about like the things that were happening in her life that were quite scary she but to see to, to see her like feel like see that love and yeah. to feel love after literally being as you mentioned earlier so alone yeah it it really does mean it really does mean a lot and i know that i know that there definitely can be this idea of like it's so i guess that there can be this idea of like erotic um layers to it mm-hmm. um i don't think it's necessarily bad per se um, I don't know. I didn't like this. There's definitely sexual moments in this film, but, but it's it doesn't not, feel like an integral part of the film. It doesn't. It didn't feel like it was, I don't know, gratuitous. I guess because it's not it, like it felt it's like, unnecessary. I feel like if you took out those scenes, it does cut out part of how we view their relationship. Yeah. So I think it was necessary to put in, but it's not like they overdo it. They don't show yeah. them like they don't show them scissoring on a bed for twenty minutes. And I'm like, thank <laughs> God, I don't need to see them scissoring on a bed for twenty minutes. So like I'm very grateful that it's not. They're like, also part like of it. sixteen. So yeah, it's like ew. I really don't want to see them scissoring on the yeah, for twenty like, minutes. Yeah, like what I saw in the movie was like okay, yeah, that's how like sixteen year olds, like when I think of Showing when I was see. that age, like yeah, that's that's how sixteen year old girls act when when they're like best friends. There's this and, one point where they're like giggling in bed yeah. and like they're trying to like touch each other. I think for like the second time. And it's just, it's just really heartwarming. It was very um, cute. It was really cute because it's just kind of like, of course they're giggling and having a little bit of fun with it. Yeah. You know? There's a certain silliness to their relationship. At the yeah, beginning. there's like a scene of them, of them like pretend singing to like an American Idol. Uh, what was the song? It was. Oh, we know the song. We know the song. And oh, it's, 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 it's Total Eclipse of the Heart. Total, yeah, it was Total Eclipse of the Eclipse of the Heart. Of course it was. And then, and then, like it's it's nice to see those like silly moments of it. It's not because like, their relationship felt so like real, which it is why like I think it's weird people. that they they called it like eroticism. Because I'm like, I don't know. They just felt like they were ha- there was such a silliness and brightness to them at the beginning. You know, yeah. they're really just like playing around with each other, having fun, trying to make each other laugh and feel happy. I think what they may be referring to mm-hmm. is the the daydream uh, sequence. Oh, the daydream sequence. Yeah, I can see that. So there's like is it you're talking about the scene where the second there, one probably because there is the scene where Moran is originally fantasizing about Shireen yes and to me I really I like that scene in the sense that I don't like that scene because one thing that I liked about it is that you very clearly when you see Shireen and Atafe together there it's it's like there's love coming out of there and there's yeah. like familiarity. And this idea of, like, we, I know you. Yeah. And when you see Mehran have that, like, weird wet dream or something about Shireen. Yeah. Like, it's, she's made up. She's dolled up. She's, Red like, lipstick. barely, barely yeah. reacting to anything that Mehran is doing. She's kind it's of just a, a passive object, yeah. really. And to me, that really was, like, I think that was a great thing for them to put in there. Because I think it emphasizes how much Atafe and Shireen's relationship is. Yeah. Like, it's a whole it realized also, thing. It also foreshadows exactly how much of a passive person, and a passive, like, really, to a degree, like, an object Shireen is in her marriage to Mehran. Yeah, it, it definitely does foreshadow how Mehran is going to view Shireen and how he treats her, especially mm-hmm. in a sexual circumstance when they do all that. Oh, God. Awful. Yeah, for... Yeah. for <laughs> 
We should probably uh, put like a disclaimer, like the there like are trigger scenes warnings. Of there are scenes salt of in this movie. Yes, it's, um, it's definitely something to be aware of. Uh, not fun, not good. Yeah, definitely would avoid um, these scenes if you are wary because they do they are viscerally uncomfortable. They are, yeah. Like I do think that they are. I don't want to say the word necessary, but I do think that they do kind of emphasize exactly what chewing circumstances are do i think that they're super super necessary i could have done without i could have done which, without which, like the one in the cab i could have done without that I the also... cab one made me straight up want to die i'm, I'm <laughs> sorry i there's i wish i i'm not going to explain it in its entirety but it really did but make you know me what it really like all of these things that made us so uncomfortable and angry i guess really what existed to put us in the mindset of what it was like for these girls and I mean, feeling shireen's anger feeling shireen's anger especially because she, it was inescapable for her like yeah. she not it's just omnipresent yeah not just like because oh you're a woman living in society whatever but because of her specific family history she because of her class status like she was her. she was there was a moment in the cab before she got assaulted where the cab driver said to her um your clothes don't fool me. I know what you are after he made a pass at her. Yeah. And she was like, I think you're mistaken. I would like for you to pull the cab over right now. And, you know, then he assaulted her. But it was just like awful because there had been little moments during the rest of the film that were just reinforcing this this view of this girl. The very first one where the the, the teacher was like, you know, we don't let people into, like, you into this school uh, because, you know, she was lower class and she couldn't pay for her tuition as readily as the others. Yeah. And then uh, when she was at that party and Joey, the guy who... Joey. <laughs> oh, my God. Joey. Can I be honest? What's Joey doing here in the movie? Good question. He's vibing. He's, he's not doing much, but... <laughs> not doing much. There's this, there's this other kid party around, guy yeah, and Joey. around their same age, another rebellious party guy who essentially called her a hoe in english oh yeah when he was introducing um this his iranian american friend yeah uh, like oh like and shireen was like what does that mean and and the iranian american friend was like don't worry about it yeah but but it's like i think one thing about the scene in the taxi that really messed me up when they're when she says no get me out of this car they're in a tunnel <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that. They were in the But tunnel. it's like, but it's messed up because the idea is like, she really cannot leave that. Yeah. At all. She's in like a tunnel. There's no way for them to move over to escape. She really is just getting swept along by all these, that was about to say circumstances. That was really, that was, I was, I was like, I feel you, like we've said it too listen, often. Listen, you have to put a counter in there at this point. You have I to know, do like a little, like a little bing every single time <laughs> that happens. Oh God, we're so annoying. But um, I do I do like the fact that the, it does happen in a tunnel because I think it emphasizes how much she is like constrained. And then he also we also thought about like there's all these surveillance camera parts and all yeah. the overhead shots. This They're movie constantly being watched. This movie really makes you feel like somebody's just watching you, and it's it's supposed to like you know I guess demonstrate exactly how all encompassing like the feeling of of having your every move socially be perceived and yeah. you know, the threat of a morality police, the threat of your Steven from somebody inside your own house. The fact that Meron, he was like uh, a music, he was like a music, a musician or yeah. something. And he, he worked with like 
music equipment. He helped uh, fix the audio in the mosque in one of the scenes. Most awkward scene of my life. I was like, boy, haven't we been there? When the mom does not know how to fix the mic, and we're just sitting there, we're like, we need to hurry up. It's Eve, okay? We need to get this done. But he had a bunch of surveillance cameras within his own family's house. And so, I guess he's like a parallel. He... He is the literal eye that's watching, you know, Shirin and Atafe and everybody in the family, judging his 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 family for for not being up to his standards. Yeah. And then, you know, essentially destroying Shirin and Atafe's relationship. And destroying his relationship with the rest yeah. of the family. And one thing that I really liked about this idea of like being watched and whatnot, this idea of like voyeurism, I guess, is yeah. that I mean, let's be real. We love to gossip in our families. Yeah. It's a it's a big it's a big thing. I feel like there there is a lot of like this idea of and I don't know if this is necessarily unique to us, but I'm just gonna say that like there's this idea that you're being watched and that you are presenting something. I yeah. think when you're with family, um when you're with extended family, when you're around your community. And the so I'm not saying it's not ingenuine, um, per se, but there is this kind of idea of like Sometimes it can be harmless and then other times it's just like It can be damaging. Yeah, sometimes it genuinely makes me feel crazy. Um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, the cognitive dissonance that some of my aunties have had while gossiping about very inappropriate things, you know? Like, I don't think this is something that we should be talking about. And then just, you know, knowing that in a heartbeat, like, yeah. if, 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 like, it were about me, that it would not change and that they would still be gossiping about it. Oh, absolutely. But I think it was really like, it's it's not like it's not like it's malicious in the sense of like getting watched by the morality police or whatever. But yeah. like it it's um I do feel like we are put um under certain expectations yeah. and pressures. And I think that like one thing that I did like about this movie and the overhead camera shots and the surveillance camera like changes was that it, it did give this idea of there is this idea of what is presentable. And you really do have to manifest it into every single part of your soul when you're with your family. Yeah. We and were so, talking about this earlier. There is a certain type of... Was this when we were crying? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this was. This is when we were having a crying session. There is a certain type of specific grief I feel like a lot of LGBT people go through when they have families that are such a big part of their lives and that are such like a, you know, when you have families that have a lot of people on them when you see your family a lot when you have you know families that are they're are, intimately part of your life yeah it's not just like oh you don't really talk to your cousins you i see you, you at do. thanksgiving every yeah. year like no they're intimately part they're like they're like siblings to you yeah. every single person and when you have families like that and you just have this this knowledge that Big, ugly secret. Big, ugly secret, yeah. essentially, you know? The knowledge that that a small conversation could change how, like, an auntie that you've literally known since birth and who has loved you will not be able to look at you, you know? it's It almost feels like a being pulled in two directions, kind It's a of. certain sort of pain. It really is a certain sort of pain. It's one that we live with almost every single day, and... You know, I think a lot of people, I think there are people in our community who would, who would probably say, and I'm not saying this to be mean, but I think there are people in our community who would say that, you know, it is a selfish thing um, for us to be saying 
um, to be open about these things. And there, there will be people, I've heard this from people, that, you know, that it's, it is not only selfish, but it is also just, like, humiliating. Yeah. And it is awful to think that you can do that just by being yourself. And it is so much pain and shame, and it, it is awful to live with. So it really is, like, present. And it yeah. sucks ass. Yeah. Just in the most briefest of ways. Like, because it's not just, trying to hurt it people. It weighs just down on you. Because every day. There's a, there's a knowledge that, like, a certain way of your life, which is, you know, my family is such an enormous part of my life. A certain way of my life is, it has an expiration date on it, you know. You know, and that's not to say that there is a, a situation where, like, I'm going to have family members that don't really care about my sexuality and like yeah the life that i'm gonna kind of live and they're just gonna love me regardless you know but that's not nobody neither of us are delusional enough to think that that's going to be the case for all of them and that everyone's going to be fine and it's also just kind of like it's not ever a concise expiration date this is what you're talking about because like there's this idea i think in media um that there is a concise end like there's a coming out point and then everything happens then and then it's done and that you, you only know? do it once you only do it once it's done it's over you mm-hmm. know where your dynamics stand after that it is not like that at all it is years of just awkwardness and discomfort <laughs> and just the it's the worst both of us are <laughs> both of us are out we're in to the, both of our parents we're in the liminal space of just <laughs> hell um which is not to say that like you know it is always awful but it, it is a hard dynamic yeah. to navigate like it has not ended yeah like how long has it been now almost three years yeah it's not ended and like and i don't think there will be an end it's a, it's such an ever-changing flux especially for families that are so close yeah and it is just like i'm i'm it's there's no expiration date i think it's exactly what you said but there just really is not and it is it's kind of awful i wish that there was a kind of like definitive also check mark but there's it's not. very little it's i think why it might be also so scary for us is that do you like i don't there are no out people in in any of any of my families in any of my family friends yeah in any really just like any part of your community any part of my community that i really know uh which is yeah there's there's pretty much nothing for me to base my expectations on for what my life is going to look like after I'm out to the rest of my family because you know if there ever was somebody like that that you know was outed or outed themselves or, or did whatever you probably don't know about I them. don't know about them nobody, nobody yeah. if they existed if they, they existed it was not talked about definitely not talked about and I mean it's the same for me too there's like there's no blueprint for how these things go down for a lot of a lot of family members their first thought would probably just be that it was America. It's it's essentially me being brainwashed by America. Yeah, that, that was the reaction I first I first got. Yeah, to. you know, it's like oh, this is something that American media. I'm sure American media has this. told you is cool, and that you're going to like this is not the way to live, and that you're going to grow out of it, and that I'm I'm just waiting for you to not be this anymore. I'm just waiting for it to start being cool. I went it. <laughs> <laughs> when is this gonna make me cool? Am I finally gonna be the popular kid in class? Like I'm waiting for that to occur because I think it's I think that that's always been an interesting argument. But you're so right. It's like they're waiting for like an apology. 
Yeah. And I'm like, I don't as well. know what it's gonna be. Like, I don't know what an apology's gonna look like. I'm sorry that, that in a few years this is gonna be very awkward for you because I'm I'm still gonna be gay and yeah. you're you're going to be like okay, so when are you getting married when to a man? Like gonna stop that. I know that you went through that gay thing, but um, Can we get over it now? It's we're trying to plan the wedding. You're kind of it. dragging it out a little bit much, don't yeah. you think? You know. And the worst part is for me especially, I feel like if like if my bisexual ass brings a man home, I feel like that's gonna sound like the apology. That's gonna come up. <laughs> I'm so apology. sorry for coming I'm out. I'm so sorry. Here. I brought a white boy. I swear everything's <laughs> fine. It, yes, he's white, but like you know what? We'll make do. Like it's okay. But like oh, white <laughs> interracial <laughs> relationships are LGBT. Here we go. <laughs> This is the, oh my the God. extension of sexuality stands for brown and white, ladies and gentlemen. My poor father. He did research. He did research. He did research. So after I was outed to him, he... I'm um, so very grateful that my parents just ignored it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't there when I was outed to him. Oh, yeah, I remember. I was secondhand outed to him, which oh, was no. very cute and fresh and funky. God, that was um, so sexy. It was very sexy to find out at work that I was outed to my father and then to have... A breakdown in the elevator at the Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble. Yeah. That's when I get all my Julia, breakdowns. the customer who was there when I started crying and was very nice to me. The Thank customer. you. <laughs> She's kidding myself. This man has no... He doesn't have gay acquaintances, you know, much less gay friends. So he just went... He thinks gay people don't deserve... That's what he thinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I but love he your dad, but he's like... He was like, mm, you know, Cheesecake? That's Lauren, sucks. I was so flabber... I was like, I didn't even know what to do with myself, so I did a lot of research. Uh, and I just, like... What is he, like, typing... I just Google, did a full body crazy. Google.com, he like, watched blues gays. Color. <laughs> <laughs> My dad. I don't know what articles he read, but the things he said to me were pretty bad. <laughs> Please give one example. I just want to hear one example of one oh, thing I can talk. Okay. Um, so if someone here is watching and has some preconceptions, <laughs> you can just dispel them right away. This was probably the worst thing. This was okay, like, um, this was very cringe, cringy. He he was like, Lauren, like, is this really what you want to do? Like, like there are some real gross, crazy people. That's me. I'm the gross, crazy person. <laughs> yeah. I'm the gross, freaky person. He's this was the about. thing that made me want to kill myself. He was like, um, <laughs> yeah, there are like people like out in the streets like there are people having like threesomes i'm the person I'm the <laughs> like i'm like He's what what's the me. actual genuine fuck did this man research <laughs> like i don't know like what did he what did he look at where he was like he said he said public orgy <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah i i was like well dad i'm not doing that and he was like lauren I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. And I was like, dude, I don't want to talk to you about it. I this. just said I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm he, not like fucking people in the street. But I also think it was just hilarious because it was. It, it he just, thinks he thinks you're walking on a strap on above your yeah. pants and just like waving around a fake dildo. We've agreed to not talk about it. Basically, that's a vibe. Yeah, he said. He said. Sometimes um, it's good for self preservation to just yeah, never speak of it again. It's great. You know, it's so <laughs> it's so not uncomfortable. No, it's never uncomfortable. I never feel sad. Oh, yeah. I'm going on three years of not ever talking about it <laughs> with my parents. I'm doing great. Yeah. I've never felt anything bad in my entire life. Yeah. Never felt a negative emotion, in fact. <laughs> um, I'm on a cloud, baby. <laughs> ever since my lobotomy in 2017, <laughs> I've just I've just been... Just been doing so well. <laughs> yeah. It's been so incredible. I like, think the funniest part about me coming out 
this was right after she came out to her parents, and this was when I was still closeted to both of my parents. And you had gone out to watch Love Simon that weekend. And <laughs> <laughs> to put you to give you the the like the context of the time. She went out, yeah, she had just gone out to watch Love Simon and my personal Ides of March is literally what I call that week. It is my Ides of March. Yeah. And um and all I did is you came you came out of the movie. I remember you telling me this. You came out of the movie, you were so happy, and then I immediately texted you. I didn't even <laughs> know that you were going out to watch it and I just said it went badly. Yeah. Period. And you were just like uh. <laughs> Yeah. But like yeah. And then I you came it. over to my house and then we talked about it. Did I? Yeah. I think I, honestly, you I erased over? a solid month of my life. It was a rough time. Me? I wouldn't blame you for just blacking it out, but you came over to my house, and we sat where my grandma used to live, and you told me about everything oh that happened. Oh my god, yeah. At and some then, point, I was, like, sitting on a, sitting in a field with Max or something, our friend Max. Yeah. Shout out to Maxie boy. Yeah, so I erased that total month of my life, but, like, it's not, I'm having a great time. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. But no, it, it, it really is like a purgatory at this point. Yeah. It is a very it's a weird purgatory. Because it's like, um, I'm like getting older, you know? Yeah. And I'm becoming, I feel like an adult would be a, a, an adult is a harsh word to use. I don't know so if I'm too quite much, an adult yeah. yet, but I'm. I don't know where you got that from. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, this weird thing with my dad where I feel like he's probably respecting me a little bit more just because I'm moving yeah. forward in like my ac- my academic well now that quarantine has destroyed some of my grades maybe not but um you're you're doing a lot I'm like more. yeah I'm doing a lot of things I have like a career goal you know mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and he's like oh yes I respect that but like he also is just like yeah uh when you're under my roof you're not allowed you have to respect like me and you have and I basically that was like right after I got out of him he was like yeah so don't be gay when you're home Pretty much. Don't do none of that shit. Yeah, there's no gay shit under my house. In your goddamn- <laughs> <laughs> there's no straps in this house. The only strap in this house is all of his guns. <laughs> all of his fucking guns that he has. The funniest part about the English language to me is the fact that like military strap. guys talk about a strap, and then when we talk about a strap, strap. it's a completely <laughs> different thing. Jesus Christ. But like, yeah, it's uh, that is one thing that I did enjoy about this movie mm-hmm. is the fact that it's very much like. It explores that awful. I I keep saying the word liminal space all of today, but it, it re- that's really what it is. It is this liminal space where you are just absolutely lost in the ether. Yeah, and it does explore that and explores how the parents don't necessarily have to be total dicks while that's happening. Yeah, the parents in this movie were honestly, from the standards of, of what I was expecting, <laughs> they were pretty fucking good. They yeah, were, they were doing pretty good. They I'm not were they were way more compassionate than you would usually see and. It still ended up all complete shit show, you know? And and it's like sometimes that just fucking happens and that's just the worst part of it. Yeah. You know? And one thing I do want to say, though, about this movie as well is that, um, you know, we're coming at this from a diaspora perspective. Yeah. So what we're all saying here is very much like we've come here to America. I mean, we talked about it earlier, like the yeah. idea that like being gay is an American thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that gets kind of like told to us quite a bit. And, like, we're looking at this movie as people that are part of diaspora. The person who directed this movie is part of a diaspora. Yeah. And so there was a little bit of debate in Iran about whether or not this was accurate. And one thing I do want to say is that, like, it is a completely different experience, like, my experience being bisexual within in America, as opposed to, like, if I had been growing up in India. I don't even want to know what that would have looked like. Jesus Christ, can you imagine? I think if I grew up, um, 
I think if I grew up in Syria, I'd probably be married by now because all of my aunties that were like directly before me, they all got married when they were 18. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know if I would ever fully understand that I'm gay and I don't know if I would ever... Even if I did understand that you I was gay. You wouldn't have met me and then fallen in love with me. <laughs> and then realized. We wouldn't have a beautiful relationship. <laughs> We're going on 10 years now. Yeah. We're about to settle in, get a hypothetical Has it been cat. 10 years? No. Wait. It's been more. So as we said, like, we're coming at this from a very, like, diaspora perspective of what it's like. Because we're shaped by being in America. The, the fact that we have, like, a ton of gay friends that are out. The fact that we go to yeah. relatively, like... I guess schools where you have like active like gay organizations it's a and whatnot. Very, very, very different world being being at school and visiting my family, you know, going home. Like visiting. those are two different worlds and yeah. it's incredible to think that like I'm a member of both of them somehow. Yeah, it's in, it's incredible that we live in, within both spaces. And it's also incredible to think about what would that have even looked like if we were in our like countries of origin. If I were in India I do not even know what would be going on. I mean, like, my aunties and uncles are cool from India, but I have no idea what it would have been like. I feel like, similar to you, I feel like I would not have ever kind of um, been able to articulate the feelings I had and yeah. be able to prescribe them to I feel my like sexuality. There's, there's this kind of, there's this kind of thing that I think about sometimes about, like, you know, girls like me Mm -hmm. who have the same like attraction that I do and and like I don't know I just think about it and I'm like there are so many people who have never had the opportunity to just I guess breathe in the way that I have and I think about swapping places and and that's kind of what this film is like you know watching this film it's watching almost felt like watching the other side of like you know what my life could have been if I didn't, if my if my family didn't, like, come to America. If your circumstances it were should. completely different. <laughs> if my circumstances were a little different, yeah. Dean for number 50 on a circumstances integration. One of the values of this film is that it really does, it not only makes me, like, respect and cherish the parts of my life that I do take for granted, but it also does give an idea of just how much pain some of these people were in and the burden that was on their hearts. Yeah. But and, and I think it's also interesting to look at the fact that this also comes from someone who is an Iranian American, because there are people who are like this is a misleading interpretation of Iran. And now we're not here to say that we know what Iran looks like. I couldn't even tell you what India properly properly looks like. I guess I mean I I find myself pretty informed on it, but I can't tell you like what it's like to live there. I can't tell yeah. you what it's like to live in Syria. Like, yeah. my dad can't even tell you what it's like to live in Armenia. Like, yeah. he's never been. We try to construct this idea of what life would have been if we were there. Because it's not, it's not like it's not, it's not part of our, our culture and our lives as a diaspora community, but it's, I don't know. It, it's it, through tinted glasses. It's through tinted glasses for sure, you know. I yeah. don't know how much of, of my own culture I'm allowed to own sometimes because I don't feel like I've earned it. Oh, that's so absolutely true. I admire the um, director for, like, really trying to, you know, portray this sense of, like, pain and, and, and try and, like, connect this idea of what it would have been like. The way that this family deals with these things, the way that the family deals with the brother yeah. coming back from rehab, the the way that the, the struggles between Atafe and her getting in trouble, like, 
that was pretty crazy you know yeah like it felt it felt so real you know we the family members the were pushing and pulling yeah. and and how it felt realistic it was it was cool yeah so i have to say that like you know we're not authorities we we don't know exactly what it would have been like to be gay and live through this and you know go through so much pain we don't know the exact details but i think one thing that we really admired even if the facts aren't entirely correct it's the heart behind this movie that i think i yeah. really respected and admired this this devotion to family and to being able to portray the sort of grief that we feel at letting down the family around us yeah and i think that you know i think really mariam does an excellent job with it mm -hmm. and i would have to say and it you know whether or not you do choose to like see this film i do hope that you kind of have gained an understanding of like what it is like i guess for this in this rocky if i say liminal space one more time i'm going to kill myself <laughs> like purgatory ether of where we kind of exist and mm -hmm. i i, I want to see it explored more in media yeah i really do i think this movie is valuable in being able to watch that yeah and to see that you know it's i, I love when films about gay people are not universally good or bad experiences this movie I don't I wouldn't say that it has a happy ending it definitely doesn't it doesn't the ending it made sense it made a lot of sense you it know made sense. it it was sad and it I felt I felt like I felt like it respected its audience in, in that it didn't coddle towards like you know a surprise everything turns out okay and and you know you really can just you know forget about your family and be gay and happy and like run away somewhere because that's not how it works that's not, not how it works for our families because our, they're you know cutting out a family member isn't isn't as easy as i guess seems and in, in yeah. some other media that we've watched it's so all-encompassing and it's not black and white and i yeah. do appreciate that she muddles with the grays here yeah i think things need to be realistic to emotion and i think this really tapped into the realism of emotion if anything yeah. I could so I would consider it a solid watch based on its ability to convey the heart of what goes on here. Yeah. If if not watching for for the the tragic gay love story and the social and political commentary, watch for the the very beautiful and and uh, um, almost serene scenes where the family is just existing and, and like yeah. having fun it really it feels like it really humanizes middle eastern families. people and like it there are just moments where i remember feeling just so elated that i could see like reflections of different aunties that i've had and like <laughs> hearing hearing them like singing and and like during the parties and just remembering like all of my childhood memories at weddings and but like I have to agree, I think it's a solid, it's solidly something that I think I would recommend someone to watch. It is a, it is a sad movie. It is not going to be like a super uplifting experience, but it is something that is just genuinely heartfelt. And I would absolutely agree in the sense that like, don't watch this if you're looking for like a cute little romantic gay story. It's not just about the couple. Yeah, I think honestly, watch it. The, the family dynamic is my favorite part. Yeah, watch it for the family dynamic to really understand what it's like to be a gay person operating within that type of family. Because I yeah. think that's the most valuable experience that you're gonna get out of this movie. And so overall, I'm like, I'm. I just gotta say, I'm. Thank you so much for recommending Circumstance in particular. You're welcome. Because I'm. I'm really happy that we got to watch a movie together. It's been forever since I've seen you. Because 
COVID. I'm just so glad that we got to watch this movie together. And I hope that even if you don't get the time to watch the movie, I hope that this gives you an idea of what the movie is like and what we gain from it. Mm-hmm. So, but um, I will be closing this out with a little snippet of the music and I'm super excited to play a little bit. And, you know, Lauren, I hope you're on the next season. I probably will put you on the next season, to be real. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's what's sucking up. We're gonna watch Veggie Tales. Oh fuck yes! <laughs> uh, the homoeroticism and Veggie Tales. Homoeroticism between the cucumber and the tomato <laughs> in Veggie Tales. But anyway, until then, so long and farewell. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>